It's the Ambiguously Blind Podcast with your host, a guy that's great up hearing, but terrible at listening, John Grimes. Hey, 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 greetings. Welcome back to the Ambiguously Blind Studio. Our guest for this discussion is Kyle Kuhn. Kyle had a rare eye disease when he was born that took his vision at an early age. But Kyle didn't let that minor detail get in the way of completing some pretty amazing athletic adventures. He has gone on to become a professional athlete in many endurance-style events and has completed some pretty amazing adventures. Kyle is currently working with the United States Association of Blind Athletes and is a hopeful member of the 2020 USA Paralympics teams, which is headed to Tokyo in just a few weeks. So we'll visit with Kyle about that and about his new book, Discovering Life Without Limits. Hey, Kyle. Thanks for joining the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Really, uh, really excited to be here and happy to be talking to you. Yeah, you're a you're a professional athlete. Uh, I have to add the <laughs> professional thing in there. Also, hey, uh, uh, an author and a speaker. So I was interested to talk to you. We're, we're also both U.S. ABA members, so... I yeah, like no, yeah, it's, <laughs> you gotta, gotta love, uh, you know, gotta love the, the various connections that you, uh, that you can make. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the athlete thing, you know, that's, that's, that's awesome. The, you know, professional athlete, it's, uh, I, I, I do what I, I, I fake it really well, I guess. Um, but, I know, uh, I, I don't think so. If anybody's faking it, I, I, me being a member of the USABA is the one that's faking. I am by no means an athlete, but uh, felt moved to join as I uh, learned more about the USABA and what they do and and some cycling and other things that I like to be involved in. So, Hey, if you like to move, you're an athlete. So that's that's all that matters in my in my book. Well, okay. Then there's certainly different degrees of that. So, um, I mean, if you move <laughs> from the couch to the refrigerator, I guess, does that make you an athlete? Ah, yeah. Yeah. Good point. You know, touche. <laughs> but, uh, hey, it's the, sometimes it's more it's of a mindset thing couch. too. And, and is, just kind of keeping moving and, and keeping, I, I'm, I'm just kidding with you, but, um, oh, totally. it's, um, yeah, I, uh, USABA really is a great organization and I know you're connected with them and, and things that you do yep. and, um, I really like what they're doing for, for people with vision impairments and, um, getting them involved in athletics. It's just, it's tremendous. Absolutely. No, they're a great organization. We're, we're doing a lot of, uh, yeah, I work, I work part-time, uh, as a program and safe sport coordinator for, for the U S association of blind athletes. And so, you know, we're, we're just doing everything we can to, you know, empower people that are blind or vision impaired to just get out there and moving and get into, you know, athletics to, to keep them healthy and and happy ultimately yeah that's important to do now uh you mentioned you're you're an athlete and a professional athlete and you also mentioned blind so let's know a little bit about more about your vision when did your vision change and what's the story with that for sure yeah so i was actually 10 months old when i was diagnosed with a rare form of eye cancer called retinoblastoma and i was essentially i was diagnosed late um so my uh my doctors you know eventually caught it and um recommended that i go into some pretty extensive treatment actually initially um a, the doctor that diagnosed me uh wanted to remove both of my eyes uh immediately wow. um, i was di- i was diagnosed on a friday and uh and he was like uh i've scheduled him for surgery on tuesday to remove his eyes Wow. Now, did you say you were diagnosed late at 10 months old? Correct. So uh, my, wow. but, yeah, my, my stage of, of cancer was uh, further along than uh, it's initially, than it's initially caught. Um, but, no, but yeah, I was uh, very fortunate that my, my parents uh, kind of pumped the brakes on the, on the doctor and they're like, well, okay, you know, let's, uh, let's talk about this real quick. And, uh, and then they kind of put it out. Uh, through the family grapevine uh, about my my cancer diagnosis and uh, eventually uh, it was it was actually within like 24 hours someone uh, someone connected to the family called them and uh, they were like you know I I don't know if you know this doctor can help you but I I heard that there's this doctor in Philadelphia that you know is, is a specialist in the type of cancer that Kyle has and you know at least maybe give them a call so my parents you know, gave, you know, this doctor a, 
in Philadelphia a call and they were like, well, can you get here Monday? And my parents said, we'll make it work. And so, um, did a, did a little examination with, uh, with them. And they said, we think we can, uh, preserve quite a bit of, you know, Kyle's site for, for at least a few years. So do you want to, do you want to fight this? And my parents said, let's, uh, let's, let's take the fight to the cancer. So that's, uh, so that's what we did. We, uh, so I, I went through probably five or six years of pretty extensive uh, cancer treatment, ranging from you know chemotherapy to um, uh, a lot of radiation therapy, uh, cryotherapy, thermotherapy, plaque therapy, uh, and then a lot of experimental, uh, a lot of experimental clinical trials. Um, and you know, it, it was I was one of those patients where I responded really, really well um, to the cancer. And it, it just kept coming back and it would, it would go away and then it would rebound stronger than ever and it would go away and then it would rebound stronger than ever. And, and eventually actually what happened was, um, through the, just the, the extensive amount of treatment that we did, uh, my left eye was eventually just so damaged beyond repair and the cancer was still there that my, my, my left eye was basically useless. So when I was five years old. Uh, we had to have my my left eye removed, and then about a year and a half later, just before I turned seven, uh, the same thing happened to my right eye. So we uh, we made the decision to remove my right eye uh, rather than continue trying to um, essentially fight a fight a mm -hmm. losing battle. Um, so, but uh, so yeah, I went totally blind when I was uh, just before I turned seven, and uh, yeah, I was you know it was challenging at at that time of, uh, of life, you know, you, you know, I, I could see well enough at, you know, before I lost my sight to you know, go outside, play basketball, rollerblade, ride my bike, you know, you know, play street football and street hockey with my friends and, and all that. And then, you know, you wake up one morning in the, in the hospital and you can't see a, can't see a thing. And, and all I could think of was like, man, how am I going to go, you know, go outside and play with my friends? Mm -hmm. So that yeah. was, uh, it's a challenge, you know. It's a challenging time in in life, and you know, it was so super hard for you know, super hard for my my family to to watch me go through that as well. I can only imagine. Wow, during those five or six years, that I mean, do you remember seeing things? I mean, do you have a frame of reference for for those years of of things that you saw? Like, oh yeah, I I, I absolutely do. So one of the one of the really cool things that um. Uh, that I that I do remember. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I remember colors and various shades of colors and and stuff. You know, I, I never had you know perfect twenty twenty vision that I know of, <laughs> at least. So I I just remember seeing what I what I could see. Uh, but I I definitely remember you know watching TV. I remember um, you know playing outside and, you know, seeing the, the green of the grass, the green of the trees, the blue of the sky and, and all that. But, um, but one of the things that, uh, that, that sticks out really, uh, vividly was about probably about a month or so before, uh, we went in to have my right eye removed. My parents actually, uh, took me out to Montana. Uh, we were living in Florida at the time and my parents took me out to Montana, um, to go to a uh, to go to a dude ranch and one of the, the they wanted me to you know see the they wanted me to see the rocky mountains they wanted me to see the the changing uh, of the fall colors um and they just wanted me to 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 remember seeing just a, a really beautiful uh really beautiful place and so um so they took my sisters and me uh out to uh out to a little town just uh, just outside of Kalispell uh, Montana uh, right up there on the Canadian border, and it was it was just a it, it was just such an amazing uh, you know week of you know riding horses and hiking and and just doing all kinds of like outdoor adventure uh, stuff and you know just all just surrounded by all this you know crazy you know greens and reds and yellows and blues and you know just all all these different uh, things. So that was that was a a very vivid um, visual memory that I that I have for sure. Yeah, that's that's something. I've had someone else on the podcast um, who had the same, I believe, the same condition as, as you. And I think within a few weeks of birth, I think they he went through the surgery to to have all that 
mm-hmm. have it all removed and and for that reason doesn't he doesn't remember anything yeah uh, any kind of vision so um yeah like i like i said i i was i was really really fortunate to to get connected with you know the the doctors that essentially wrote the book on um on my cancer and uh you know by the time that i had you know i I was at a they were they were confident enough that they could uh do some stuff to to help at least preserve some sight for for a few years and like i said i was i was i was lucky yeah and so it is cancer and are there long-term effects from that i mean obviously you have the vision loss but like are there any long-term cancer effects uh once that procedure is complete or is it has it been eliminated? Um, so the long-term effects mostly come from the, um, it, it mostly comes from the treatments, actually. Um, so I did a lot of um, what's called external beam, uh, gamma, gamma beam external radiation therapy or something like that. I, I, I don't know exactly the term, but uh, I did a lot of, you know, this this therapy that, Basically, there's a you know there's a sixty percent sixty plus percent chance that I can develop secondary cancers uh, down the line, and then some of the chemotherapy drugs that I was on um, can you know result in um, stuff like high cholesterol and and you know a few other uh, a few other minor things. But um, so I actually uh, about six or seven years ago now. Um, I actually developed a, uh, a secondary cancer uh, on my upper right eyelid, um, and uh, it was a it was it was a cancer called a sebaceous gland carcinoma. And they uh, my, my doctors uh, basically said, "Look, we th- we think this is a direct correlation with the uh, with the external gamma beam radiation uh, that you went through." Um, so they just went and uh, I just I just I went into surgery and they uh, they uh, they cut off they they really just cut out my uh, my right eyelid because I I didn't need it yeah. <laughs> so they uh, just cut out my right eyelid so uh, uh, and and it's one of those things where like I, I mean I I had a, a great a great surgeon who who did a phenomenal job in in removing that and then uh, uh, basically to just a, a minor little reconstruction to so that it. it a lot of people they actually have to look pretty closely to to see that I actually don't have a, an upper right eyelid. So, mm. um, so there's always chances uh, of other stuff uh, down the line. But as long as I'm taking care of myself and uh, and living my life to the to the fullest extent, um, you know, I say you know it can it can come and hit me all at once. But I know how to hit back pretty hard. Yeah, you do. And I think uh, a lot of that you owe to probably your, your parents and your family that helped you along uh, in the ride, especially early there. Uh, I can imagine it was a pretty tough go as a six or seven year old in that, in that condition. Like you said, you're not playing with your buddies outside anymore and, and uh, that can be tough, I'm sure. Yeah, it was, it was super hard. Um, I, you know, I, you know I, I was one of those kids that, you know, I was super active early on in life and, you know, when I went totally blind, I was like, I, I don't know how to, uh, to do any of this. You know, my, my parents weren't really sure. Like we knew that I was going to go blind eventually. Uh, we knew that I was going to be totally blind eventually, but we just, we didn't know how to handle it. And we were really, really fortunate as a family to get connected, uh, with, um, a gentleman, uh, named, Ed Weinmare, whose whose son uh, Eric um, happened to be a, a world class blind athlete, and you know, and so my uh, my dad got in touch with with Ed, and you know, Ed told my dad all about you know all about Eric, and you know, Ed came and spoke to my dad's Rotary Club, and then Ed arranged for for Eric to to come uh, to Jack you know to Jacksonville where we were living at the time. Um, you know, and Eric was, uh, on a speaking tour and, uh, he arranged, uh, for me to come hear Eric talk and then meet Eric afterward. And Eric just kind of, you know, you know, told me that like, Hey, look, just because you're, you're blind doesn't mean you're, you know, you're helpless and you can still have a, a phenomenal life and you can still play with your friends. You can still do crazy cool things. Um, and so he, uh, he really encouraged me to, 
uh, to just, you know, live my life to the, to the absolute fullest extent that I could and to figure out, you know, ways that I, I could do, um, could do stuff that I wanted. And then, you know, a couple year, and then like, I think two or three years after, um, he and I, you know, sat down and met for the first time, you know, he went on to become a, a like a, a big time superstar and, um, you know, climbing, you know, Mount yeah, Everest. He's, he's and, pretty incredible. Yeah doing all that crazy stuff so. yeah it's pretty wild so do you keep in touch <laughs> yeah. with eric still i do i do i, I actually we're, we're uh we've been good buddies for the last like 20 20 something years now yeah. so uh yeah no i actually uh funnily enough i just did a podcast with uh with him a few weeks back so uh but yeah no he's uh you know he's great we've we've gone on some some cool adventures together as well and uh but no, he's, he's, uh, he's a good buddy and it has been a, a big mentor, uh, for me over the years. Yeah. It seems like he's been a pretty, pretty positive influence on your track here. He has, he has. And, and, you know, his connection, you know, with, with me and my family and then, you know, my, uh, our, our dads were, you know, were both Marines. Uh, so they, they had that instant connection and, uh, and, you know, my dad kind of, learned from ed um eric's dad that hey look you know we can you know we can raise this uh we can raise kyle to be you know you know as crazy and wild as as he wants to be and you know it's okay to instill discipline and it's okay to you know to push him just like we you know we push the uh you know we push our other kids and so my uh you know my parents they uh they they treated me no differently than my than my uh than my sisters and you know sometimes it's uh it, you know it's one of those things where you're like man sometimes i wish it was treated just a little differently but <laughs> can i get no, a break I'm, occasionally yeah <laughs> seriously no but uh at the end of the day i'm so thrilled that uh and i'm so lucky that you know i have i had such a uh strong family unit uh around me that that you know supported me and encouraged me to you know push the boundaries of, of what people think is possible yeah and you grew up and basically you developed your i think your maybe your tagline or what you say is you have iron vision now right that's correct so so basically what i i like to uh you know eventually what what happened was i, I got into you know i got into triathlon and, and i was really um making a name as a as, a, as an iron man uh triathlete and I, uh, I, I love, I love words. I love, you know, plays on words and all that. And so, um, so one of the things that I, you know, I just, I, I, it kept coming back to me. I was like, you know, like, you know, you don't like, number one, you don't have to have sight, you know, to have vision. Vision is not, you know, it, it's not what you see, um, you know, with your eyes. Vision is, is more like a, it's an internal uh, compass or, or drive or, or something that gives you uh, direction, and eventually, you know what I, what I came to realize was that look, if you just you know there, every every path or road is super rough, it's windy, it's rocky, there's you know obstacles all over the place, um, and, and you know they're they're you know meandering paths off of that branch off of that road but if you just you know keep an eye on your vision um then you can find ways around those obstacles and you'll always find your way you know through the the muck and the and the craziness that you know that is life and mm -hmm. so i you know i, I kind of you know i was like well just look all, all i got to do is just keep an eye on my vision and that's how i can you know live a life without limits essentially yeah, I definitely think you've kept an eye on things, um, especially in the athletic department. When did you really get started with, it uh, sounds like you were already playing at, uh, athletics, basketball, street hockey, whatever you said earlier, when you yeah. had the vision that you had. But once the, the vision went away, um, walk me through kind of the, how you get re-established in, in sports and what sports were those? Yeah, so uh, initially I uh, I still wanted to, I wanted to play, you know, the sports that my friends were playing. So I just, you know, I, I learned to, you know, play basketball in my driveway and with my friends. And we did like a, a bounce pass only rule. Um, we put like a, something that would make noise on the, on the basketball hoop. And we just came up with these inventive, 
ways. And then like when we played, uh, you know, when we played soccer in, uh, you know, when, when we would play soccer, I always got the, uh, the honor of being the, the goalkeeper. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was always fun. And then, uh, yeah. And it was just like little, little adaptations, um, like that, you know, street football and, you know, backyard football and stuff like that. I, you know, I got, uh, I got handed the, I got, I got to be a running back a lot of times and, or fullback and just plow through and, and into people. And, you know, we just had a bunch of fun as, as kids, but my first real sport, I would say, um, after losing my sight was, um, was rock climbing. And, um, it was, uh, it was Eric that, you know, kind of encouraged me. He was like, look, man, I, I think you'd, you'd really enjoy, uh, rock climbing. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, you know, it's physically demanding, um, but it's a real mental challenge. And so I think it was probably about a year, year, year and a half after I lost my sight. Um, we had a, a family friend that was, you know, their family were members of, uh, a rock climbing gym and, they uh they offered to to take me climbing and i was like well why not here we go yeah <laughs> and and uh you know we uh we figured out a way for uh my belayer to call out to me where the holds were on the wall so that i would know um where i was going on the wall and uh i i just i absolutely fell in love with that sport and uh eventually my uh my family all fell in love with it as well uh all you know all of my sisters and i uh, actually joined the uh, competitive rock climbing team and uh, we climbed competitively for probably two two or three years and uh yeah we got we got pretty good my uh you know my all my sisters were all better than me uh i'll, I'll say but we all were we all were uh you know we're you know nationally ranked at, at one point but uh you know eventually you know things like school and um social lives and all that kind of got in the way and so we, we got away from competitive climbing but you know while we were you know getting into into rock climbing you know that that kind of spiraled off into into hiking and and um cycling and, and just being outside and and outdoors and um you know we you know we loved going as a family to to camp and you know then uh you know that kind of flipped its way over to, to downhill skiing. Um, cause we were like, man, like, you know, if we can climb and hike and trail run and, and do all these, you know, these cool things in the, in the summertime, like let's go, let's do skiing in the winter. And so we started, uh, started skiing together as a family and, uh, and yeah, and then eventually got to, got to high school. And, um, I, I had always been interested at least in, you know, being on a, a sports team in high school and, one of the uh one of the easiest you know high school sports to adapt um for people that are totally blind or visually impaired was was wrestling and so i joined the joined the wrestling team my freshman year of high school wrestled uh for all four years in high school and then um wrestled for a year and a half or two in college and uh and yeah then after after college was uh well, after my wrestling career in college ended, I got into teaching uh, group exercise because I I, I found that I, I loved being, you know, just I loved being fit and I loved teaching people uh, how to be fit as well. And so I, I taught, um, I taught spin, I taught spin classes, I taught, uh, you know, I taught core, I taught strength, I, you know, I, I you know, I just taught so many different uh, forms of, of group exercise and uh, absolutely loved it and. And then uh, eventually just found my way to, uh, you know, found my way to running and triathlon and, and beyond. So <laughs> that's kind of the, kind of the story. Yeah. You're definitely into some endurance sports. Uh, as you mentioned, the Ironman and the triathlons and the marathons, but you also did, uh, you mentioned cycling too. Yeah. Tell me about the, is it the race across America? <laughs> yeah is that so, on a bike uh, right what how's it that is, work it is it is so in uh so i i i had uh i had grown up you know you know riding a you know riding a tandem bike with my dad um and you know various and various friends and then um when i got out you know after after college and um i was a couple years removed from college you know i was starting to get into triathlon 
and uh, just you know, really loved really loved cycling in, in general. And um, in 2017, I saw a uh, I saw a Facebook ad or a post on Facebook somewhere that uh, a couple of couple of blind guys were uh, putting together a team. Um, they wanted to do this. Uh, they wanted to do this this bike race as a team. Um, called Race Across America, and it, it goes from Oceanside, California, to Annapolis, Maryland. And uh, for the team competition, um, you have nine days to to finish it. And no team with, um, you know, no four. We we they wanted to do a four tandem, so they wanted four tandems, and they wanted all the stokers. So the person on the back of the tandem, they wanted them to be to be blind or visually impaired and no team had ever accomplished that in the, in race across America, uh, history. And, um, and so they were like, we want to be the first because, but one of the requirements was that, you know, we had to be, uh, we had to be high, high achievers and, and, you know, we had to be, um, successful off the bike, not just as, as athletes. And I was, um, you know, I, I was by no means, um, you know, the, uh, the most successful of our, of our team. Um, so our, uh, our team, uh, our team leaders or, or our team captains, Dan Berlin and, and Jack Chen are uh, just, inc- I mean, number one, they're incredible athletes and incredible human beings, but, uh, they are just very well, uh, established in, in the business world. Dan was, uh, Dan was the founder and the CEO of a, a company called Rodell, which is a, a major f- flavor uh, extract company. And uh, he recently sold that company and uh, and retired um, a couple of years ago. But uh, and then Jack was the uh, it was the first totally blind uh, corporate attorney for Google. Um, so it is a you know just super super uh, intelligent, high achieving. Uh, people and then the and then the third member of our team, uh, Tina Ament, um, is a uh, U.S. is a is an assistant U.S. attorney in uh, Washington D.C. Um, so I, I was <laughs> I I threw my name into the hat and like I was you know at the time I had been like uh, I, I had done some stuff in in the nonprofit world um, I had worked for the federal government for for a little bit and then I was I was starting to to work on my own freelancing. Uh, my freelancing business, and I, I was working in the uh, the marketing department for uh, uh, for Bubba Burger, uh, which is a you know major frozen frozen burger that you get in the in the grocery stores. And so I was I had my hands in a in a few different in a few different pots. Uh, but one of our our big goals with Race Across America was like we wanted to you know to show people that look as people that are blind or visually impaired we can live in incredible athletic lives um and be incredibly successful uh in our professional and personal lives uh providing we you know have the opportunity and we put the right team around us and so we spent a long time um just building up this this rock star crew of uh, of you know support via of support personnel uh, for race across america and you know we we had we went out and we found just you know some super incredibly successful uh people to to be our uh to be our tandem pilots um we recruited you know basically people we we had this all-star team of of uh you know van drivers and rv drivers and navigators and um you know rv managers and all and you know we Put together a documentary film crew as well so it was it was just this it was this massive um undertaking and and we we it was just such a it was such a roller coaster of an experience leading up to up to the race itself and then you know finally we got to the to the race in in june of 2018 and oh man it was uh it was a wild and crazy it was a wild and crazy time, you know, start at, you know, we started at just afternoon on, uh, June 16th, 2018. And, uh, we, we literally did not, you know, we would maybe get an hour and a half of sleep at a time. Um, as we, you know, we would, you know, we would ride for hours and, 
um, you know, we had a, we had a strategy, a team strategy where we would always have one bike, uh, on the road. So like, I didn't, I didn't ride the entire 3000 miles from, <laughs> from California to Maryland. Um, but I probably rode probably between 900 and a thousand of those miles. Um, but you know, our, we, you know, we had this team strategy, uh, where we, you know, one bike would, would time trial for, you know, probably about 10 or 12 miles. And then, um, they would jump into a van and another bike would time trial for 10 or 12 miles. And then the, the, per, the, you know, the, the pilot and stoker that had been in the van, um, uh, being driven up the road would, would get back out and they'd time trial. Uh, and we'd leapfrog like that for about, you know, roughly a hundred to 120 miles. And then we would, uh, we would get into the RVs and, you know, shower up, eat and try to try to get a little bit of sleep for another hundred miles while the other two, uh, tandem teams were, were out there doing the same thing. So we did that for, you know, 3000 miles all the wow. way across yeah. the country. And, uh, it was, it was quite a, it was quite the undertaking. Uh, but it was, it was such an adventure and, you know, so many, so many highs, so many lows, uh, you know, I, you know, my, uh, my, my pilot and I, we actually, uh, we crashed in, uh, we crashed in Kansas <laughs> of all places. And uh, it turns out that I, I actually broke my elbow, um, mm. uh, in that crash. But, uh, um, I, I, I didn't want to go to the, uh, I didn't want to go to the ER cause if I had gone to the ER, um, and gotten it x-rayed and I would have technically been pulled off the, pulled off the race course. And if I yeah. was, and if we lost one person, um, from the team, we were going to have a really hard time, uh, finishing. So I just, I, I literally just, uh, I had my, uh, I had the mechanics just double wrap my, uh, my, my handlebars with extra tape. And, um, you know, we, we picked up a, a compression sleeve from, uh, from Walmart and, uh, I just, uh, I lived, uh, I lived on Advil and, uh, and Tylenol and, and painkillers, you know, over the counter painkillers for, you know, for, for the, the second half of the, the second half of the race. Uh, but you know, we, 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 we eventually finished in, uh, like seven days and 15 hours, I think is, is what it took us to, to bike the entire way. And, uh, but no, it was such a, such a, such a epic adventure um is the best way i can describe it and it was just so um it was so amazing to to complete that with you know people that you know had become really really good friends and yeah, sure. uh, people that i you know people that i really looked up to um i was the youngest on the team by far um and, and you know i i just learned so much from uh watching my you know my fellow teammates from you know from the from the cyclists to the to the drivers and the navigators and, you know, everybody that was involved with, with the project. Um, I, I just learned so much and it, it taught me so much in that, you know, putting the right team, if you put the right team around you, you can, you can just, you know, you can succeed and, um, you can accomplish so much more than you, you know, than you think is possible. And when it comes to tandem bike riding, you mentioned a few terms there. I want to make sure I'm clear on, you have the pilot, that's the person in the front. Uh, steering yep uh and then you have the stoker that's the 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 rear rider yep is that right and that is correct what is the role of each i mean the the pilot obviously steers um but as far as the muscle or moving the the pedals are both uh performing that or is, is it just the back or how does that work <laughs> no but both 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 people pedal um, so the, the person up in the front, so the pilot, or, uh, sometimes they're called the captain, um, they, uh, you know, they're pedaling and, uh, and steering and, and they're usually controlling the brakes and the, and the shifting. Um, and then the, uh, the person in the back, the, the stoker is, uh, you know, they, they just, you know, we just put our heads down and we, uh, you know, we provide, uh, yeah. we just provide the muscle. That's all we do. Uh, but there's a lot of, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, when you're coming around corners and, you know, there's a lot of cornering technique and, and you got to be able to maintain your balance because every little movement that you make, um, as the stoker, the, the pilot, um, they feel, and every move that the pilot makes you feel as the stoker, cause it's, it's one bike, it's two people pedaling on, on one bike. And, uh, it, it's, a 
it's it's a team it's a it's a team dynamic and you gotta you gotta be in sync with each other um because if you're in sync with each other you can you can get that you can get those bikes going pretty darn fast yeah and uh it's pretty it's pretty exciting okay so you've been across america on a bike and you uh you're going to tokyo uh (laughs) have you been to some pretty have been to some pretty other (laughs) cool places Has, has your athletic endeavors taking you other other remarkable places i i've been i've been really really lucky over the course of my uh, over the course of my what, what am i uh, almost almost 30 years of life um so i i uh, in 2006 i got the opportunity to uh to hike the uh, ankoscocha trail um uh, which is a, a a harder variation of the uh, the inca trail um that goes from cusco uh, to Machu Picchu. So I was 14 when I did that. And, um, so I got that opportunity, um, through, uh, an organization at the time it was called global explorers. Now it's no barriers and it's, uh, uh, they, they, they partnered blind and sighted teenagers from across the country, um, to do this, to do this hike and this, uh, um, you know, this adventure in the Peruvian Andes. And we did some community service projects along the way. And then a few of us from that, from that trip, uh, got together and, uh, somehow convinced, you know, global explorers at the time to, uh, uh, sponsor us to go on a trip to, uh, Tanzania in 2007 and, uh, got the opportunity to climb and summit Mount Kilimanjaro again and, um, you know, doing community service projects, um, before we, uh, before we climbed, uh, Kilimanjaro and then, um, you know, got the opportunity to, to, to travel around the u.s a little bit uh just doing some some uh some climbing and mountaineering expeditions and and trips and and then eventually when i got into uh got into triathlon a few years ago um started uh so traveling around the world to you know over to you know been over to europe a couple times um to uh to race and then i've, I've been over to japan twice now to to race and um, hopefully, uh, the, uh, uh, hopefully, uh, coming up in a few weeks, the, uh, uh, USA triathlon will be announcing the, uh, the team that'll be competing at the, uh, the Paralympics at the end of August. And, uh, hopefully my name is on that, is on that list. And, uh, so hopefully I'll be heading back over to heading back over to Japan, Japan one more time <laughs> in August to, uh, to race for, uh, for team USA. Uh, in the sport of triathlon, so I, I've been I've been really lucky that uh, uh, my uh, my endeavors and you know my my crazy my crazy sense of adventure has taken me uh, taken me to almost every continent. So yeah, still got to tick off still still got to tick off Australia and Antarctica for some reason. Okay, but, well yeah. you're a wild man, Kyle. Uh, Australia <laughs> shouldn't shouldn't be a problem. I don't know about Antarctica. It's that's off the cold. I don't I don't know. But... <sighs> I, uh, just just layer up. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Now, let's talk a little bit about Tokyo. So this is the 2020 Paralympic Paralympic Games. This would be the one that we didn't get to do last year because of uh, COVID. Correct. So uh, are you confident in um, all the protocols and things that are being put in place worldwide that that we're going to have success uh, with these games? Yeah, I'm I'm very confident. Um, You know, so I, I actually in may at the beginning of uh, mid middle of may um i actually flew over to uh to tokyo and um they they put us through a a pretty uh stringent bubble scenario that we feel is probably going to mimic what they're going to do uh for the games and it was it was strict um you know we had uh you know we were constantly uh having to update our our whereabouts via um via some smartphone apps we were doing uh some symptom tracking um we did several uh several pcr covid tests um and you know masks and and all that was uh was required uh, except except during the race yeah uh, so I, i'm i'm yeah so i'm very i'm very confident that you know we've got um the right protocols in place and and uh and i and i think uh a lot of you know the 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 vaccination of of, of you know people getting vaccinated is is uh, is on the rise and so i, I think we're going to have a successful games it'll be different um 
by far uh, from, you know, I, I have a lot, I have several friends that have, have competed in other games uh, in the past and, and they said it'll definitely be different. Um, you know, they're not going to, unfortunately not going to have as many, as many fans um, only, only people from Japan will be able to attend the games and it'll be limited capacity uh, crowds and, and all that. And, um, and, you know, and, and, and unfortunately, um, you know, probably not going to get to take part in um, some of the, the more traditional ceremonies, like, um, like for, for example, uh, we can get, we, we get to Tokyo, we can get to Tokyo no more than five days before our scheduled event. Uh, and then we have to leave within 48 hours of completion of our event. So uh, based on when the triathlon, um, based on when the triathlons for paratriathlon take place, um, that means we're going to actually, uh, our races, I think within the first couple of days of the games. Um, so we're actually going to be um, leaving uh, Tokyo uh, probably about a week and a half before the closing ceremonies. Um, so we're not going to get to take part in, in some of those uh, more traditional aspects of the games, but it's still the Paralympics. It's still uh, the, you know, the third most watched sporting event worldwide. And it's, it's still such a, a huge honor to, you know, to be even, in, you know, considered, um, you know, you know, just being in consideration for, mm, yeah. for, the, for that, you know, for the games to, to go and represent, um, you know, the, the USA, which, you know, I think is the greatest country in the world. Um, I'm a little biased, but yeah, I think I, I agree with you totally on that. Uh, and since, so, since we are the best in the world, how do we rank in the, in the world of Paralympic triathlons? Are we, are we the best or who's our, who's the competition? <laughs> There's uh, I, I will say the, the competition is fierce. Um, so I, uh, you know, I would say, uh, great Britain is super, super strong. Um, they, they've got a medal contender in every single paratriathlon, uh, classification. Um, and then, uh, Spain and France are also, um, very, very strong, uh, as well. So, and then the U S as well, we've got, uh, I would say we have at least a medal contend. We have someone that could, um, get, you know, get on the podium in, you know, probably you know probably two or three of our uh of the paratriathlon sport classes so we're pretty we're pretty strong we're we're pretty deep but uh we've got work to do um you know because guess what everyone else in the world is training too and they want uh they want gold and silver and bronze just as much as we do so we'll uh it'll be uh i i think in particular the the visually impaired men's race is going to be a, a really really fun uh, race to watch, uh, come, come Tokyo. So we're, uh, we're pretty stoked about it. Yeah, I bet you are. And sometime, uh, during all your training and all the things that you're rock climbing and bike riding and everything, you found time to, uh, author a book. seems like that's a <laughs> pretty cool adventure. Tell me about that. <laughs> uh, I'll, 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 I'll go ahead and admit it to you. Um, I started writing it probably about 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, cause it was always one of those things where, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was a teenager and, you know, people kept telling me, oh, Kyle, you're going to write a book one day and you're going to, um, you know, you've already done so many cool adventures as just a 14 and 15 year old, like you're, you're going to write a book someday. Like it's inevitable. And so I was just like, ah, well, might as well start writing it. And so I, I started writing it and probably, you know, when I was in college and, um, just kept adding to it over the over the years. And it, it was just one of those projects that I just kept putting on the shelf and, you know, taking it back off and uh, working on it, tinkering with it a little bit, you know, over the years. And uh, a couple years ago, I was like, you know, I should, I should probably publish this thing. And, uh, you know, started kind of shopping it around and a, a lot of publishers just weren't interested in it. So then I, th I thought about self-publishing and, um, and then, you know, last year, COVID obviously, uh, hit and um you know we uh you know had some i had some time to go through polish up a few things in the book you know and uh and then eventually it got got connected through my through my triathlon connections uh one of my old triathlon uh club teammates um when i first got into triathlon had uh she had started a publishing company a couple of years back and 
uh, I saw that you know, she was uh, in the in the publishing space now, and I reached out to her and I I, uh, I asked if they would be interested in taking a look at my book, and she said send it along, and um, they had a discussion with their with their partners, and they said let's 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 make this uh, let's make this happen. So um, so we signed a, so we inked a deal and back in uh, January and uh, the last you know five six months just been uh, grinding away at it and then uh, officially released the book um, on May 20 May 24th and uh, so yeah it's available uh, in uh, in print uh, via my uh, via my publisher's website so walnutstreetpublishing.com um, you can just uh, it's one of the first books listed on there. It's uh, Discovering a Life Without Limits, How Cancer Took My Sight, Blindness Gave Me Vision, and The Mountains Let Me Live. Uh, we're also available on uh, Amazon Kindle. Uh, so you can just search my name, Kyle Kuhn, or uh, Discovering a Life Without Limits, and uh, you'll, find, uh, you'll find us on Kindle. And we are in the process of, uh, of doing an audio book as well. So um, the, uh, just actually talked with the, the narrator uh, a couple days ago. And uh, he's uh, he started recording, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, to getting that that project wrapped up, and hopefully on Audible and uh, and other um, other places that you can get audiobooks uh, in in the next couple of months. So um, just a, a really uh, it, it's been quite the it's been quite the project and quite the juggling act to to do all this. But uh, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, with the right team of people around you, um, I you know you can do. You could do a lot, um, and, and I, I, you know, I, I compete in the sport of triathlon, which is three sports rolled into one. So I like uh, I like being busy. <laughs> Let's just say that, I guess. Yeah, I believe it. So it's called discovering a life without limits. Correct. And yep, discovering uh, a life without limits. What do we learn in discovering a life without limits? So basically, discovering a life without limits, it, it takes the reader through uh, my story. Um, I tell I tell you guys all about um, you know me growing up and you know you know showing you through through stories and through the the words of wisdom of of people in my life um, who helped me along the way and uh, I basically learned to live a, a full and uh, an independent life and so it it, uh, it primarily covers all of my life up to about 2015 um and it, you know covers a lot of highs uh covers a, covers a few lows um but it it it, it was it, it's a journey of me discovering who i am uh as a as a as a young person uh, as someone who's who's blind as a as an athlete um and then eventually as you know you know obviously as a as a son a brother a, a friend and um, all, you know, everything in between. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm a little biased, but it's, it's quite the, it's quite the journey. And, you know, as, as of right now, we've, we've gotten a lot of, gotten a lot of positive feedback and, um, I would just, you know, I'd, I'd love for, if it can help, if it can help just, uh, if one story in there can, can help, uh, somebody, um, you know, get up, get moving and, you know, realize that they can go out and live their own life without limits and find a way to, you know, develop their, you know, their internal vision and set themselves some goals and keep an eye on their vision. Um, uh, then, then I, I, I will feel that I've, uh, you know, helped them out and succeeded, um, in life. So, <laughs> yeah, it sounds exciting. It's on my, my list of things to read and, uh, it's nice to know that there will be a audible version. I, I love yes. I love listening to books uh, through Audible. So um, I certainly do Kindle books and other digital formats, yep. but uh, Audible is is really awesome. So I'm excited to see that that's coming there too. Yeah, it was it was super important for me to find a publisher that was willing to um, to help me out in, in recognizing that look audio you know, you know audiobooks have been a huge part of my life, and you know it, it's super easy. Anyone can publish a book and throw it up on Kindle. Um, if you have the right connections, you can, you can publish a book and, and print it, but, you know, going through the, you know, the process of an audio book, it, it's, it's a little bit, you know, there's a little bit more involved. Um, you get more people involved and, um, it, it's a, it's quite the process, but it was super important to me, uh, for us to have, uh, my book available in, 
in many different formats. Um, you know, being, you know, like I said, being totally blind, I, I use, I use, uh, I use both screen reading technology and I, and I love listening to, to other people read me books via, via audio. So, you know, I, it was, it was super important for me to, to have that. And I'm um, just, I'm thrilled that, that Walnut street, you know, was, was behind that 100%. Well, that sounds uh, pretty awesome, Kyle. Discovering Life Without Limits. Uh, tell me again where we can find the book. Yep. So you can find it uh, on my publisher's website. If you want the physical copy of the book, it's walnutstreetpublishing.com. Uh, if you want a, uh, the ebook version, go to Amazon Kindle and you can just search Discovering a Life Without Limits or just uh, search for Kyle Kuhn and you'll, you'll find it. And, uh, and obviously of course, just keep an eye on, uh, keep an eye on audible cause we'll, uh, we'll be putting that out, uh, hopefully in the next couple of months as, as well. Yeah. Awesome. Now we'll, we'll have links to that on our website as well at ambiguouslyblind.com. Um, and where else can we find Kyle Kuhn so we can, uh, track your, um, activities for the next couple of months, uh, as, as we get ready for Tokyo. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, I, I'm active on, on most social media channels. Um, so I, I'm primarily active on Instagram and Facebook. So you can find me on Instagram at Iron Kyle. Uh, that's E-Y-E-R-O-N-K-Y-L-E. So yeah, on, on Instagram at Iron Kyle. And then uh, on Facebook, uh, you can find me facebook.com slash Kyle Coon Speaks. Uh, and then obviously, you know, as always, uh, you know, if you want to read up about uh, some of my adventures and uh, check out my blog and stuff, you can just go to kylecoon.com and uh, check out all of my uh, all the craziness that i i get up to but uh yeah instagram facebook uh and and the website are, are the best places to find me tremendous all right kai well thanks a bunch for joining good luck to you in the uh tokyo games and everything that's uh, going on but it sounds like a pretty exciting time for you so best of luck thank you so much john really appreciate it Thanks for spending time with the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe. And for a complete transcript of this episode, connect and share with us at ambiguouslyblind.com.